Am I Reister or am I wrong? If you guys know somebody who says, get woke, go broke, don't let them hear this. Do not share it with them. Do not tell them anything I'm going to say because they will absolutely be triggered because business is booming for the NFL, the NBA, and Nike. LeBron James and Michael Bloomberg are paying court fees for Florida voters who have passed felony convictions the way they can vote. And this is bipartisan greatness. The NCAA, they're trying to protect the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee from sexual abuse claims like Larry Nassar. Hmm. Wells Fargo CEO, Charles Scharf, his comments about the lack of black talent and availability for them to diversify make zero sense. And he's full of fresh grade A BS. And of course, my parting shot. Am I right or am I wrong? Is the intersection where sports, business, pop culture and society meet the truth. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, fire. Facts only. Check your feelings at the door before you even come in because you will be upset. This ain't the place for the left, the right, snowflakes or social justice warriors and absolutely no BS because I will always keep it 100. If you're listening to the podcast, make sure that you leave a five-star rating and make sure that you share, tell a friend about it, subscribe, text, email, however. And if you want to get a hold of me, send me an email, gwpodcast at unafraidshow.com. And you can listen to me as well on the Pac-12 Apostles Park podcast and Fox Sports Radio Sundays, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific. And that's 5 to 8 Eastern time and then weekdays filling in. Am I Reister or am I wrong? This may be an earmuffs edition. So if you're riding with your kids, uh, you might want to skip it till later. But we're going to start today with the bad news for the get woke, go broke crowd. Oh, the punches keep on coming and they keep on trying to tell you that get woke, go broke is not a grift, that it's not a lie because it is. There is no truth to it. Like there's no truth to, oh, a company going woke. ESPN, they they said, oh, they went woke. They're, they're going broke. No, they're not. They're still on television. They're still doing just fine. Have they laid people off? Yes, they made some bad moves. But are they still doing the same thing? Yep. Are they thriving? Yep. Um. So here's what it is. So the first thing, there are three things that I want to bring up that do not share with them. Otherwise, they may jump off a bridge. They may come and attack you, be upset is that Fox Corporation is willing to spend as much as $2 billion a year to maintain its rights to broadcast the NFL games on Sundays. That's a huge increase from this already contract. So here is how it goes. So ESPN has a deal for Monday Night Football that they signed through 2021 the deal was 15 billion to 15.2 billion uh that's 1.9 billion a year cbs has the afc package through 2022 1.1.09 a year fox has the nfc package 1.09 a year 
NBC Sunday night, a little less than a billion. And Fox Thursday night, a little over half a billion. So that those are the already deals. And the get woke, go broke crowd to say, oh, they're losing money hand over fist. No, they're not. The NFL is negotiating the biggest TV contracts anybody has ever done that they've ever done. Revenues have gone up every single year for 20 years. And I wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to do it during the pandemic because this is what they do. They print money. And here's the second point. Uh, Monday Night Football had a combined 15.4 million viewers on ABC and ESPN. That's up 26% from last year's Monday Night Football broadcast. So they always want to compare, oh, this was last year, this is this year. Look at the NFL tanking. No, sorry. It had 7.9 million viewers on ABC, 7.4 on ESPN, and then 111 on uh, ESPN2. Hmm. Oh, but it was on seed. See, the thing is, it was on multiple stations. They're still watching the damn game. It doesn't matter how many stations it's on. One, two, or ten. You're either going to tune in or you're going to tune out. So the idea that people will tell you that they're not watching football, it's a lie. They're either still watching and, and saying that they aren't on Twitter and social media because that's not representative of America. We have learned that. It is not representative of America. It is, what? what is it like? The 10% of people send 90% of the tweets? Yeah, so that's not everybody, clearly. And business is booming. They still have the, uh, the biggest TV events. Every week, the biggest TV event since the Super Bowl is an NFL game. Business is booming. The same thing with Nike. That's the third point. Nike stock price just hit an all-time high. They're over $120 a share. Oh, in 2018, they said that the stock was going to tank because they paired with, with cap and social justice. That's what some people would have told you, right? That's what some sports talk media hosts would tell you. It's what the, the media on that side will tell you. Yeah, but it's not true. It is a lie. Nike has gone up 25,000% in the 30 years and they've been woke most of that and they've damn near doubled since 2018. Come on, man. Like at what, at some point in time, we have to just look at the facts. Facts are get woke does not equal going broke. It means that people are going to get upset with you, but if they love your product, if you provide something that's essential to their life or makes their life better, they're still going to buy it. Apple can go woke. What do you what do you think that are pe- are those people going to stop buying iPhones? Yeah, right. All those people outraged about what happens in China and the atrocities that happen there, which I am acknowledging. Are they going to stop buying iPhones? Hell no. Come on, man. Like like stop the BS. Stop the BS and stop the hypocrisy. Get woke does not equal going broke. Uh, one of the people that the get woke go broke crowd is always upset with is LeBron James. And now we found that he and Michael Bloomberg are paying court fees so Florida voters who would pass felony convictions can vote. And I've said that this is bipartisan greatness. And before it even came out in the article, I got this text on Monday at 3.39 p.m. Hi, this is Mallory. 
this is the voice that I had envisioned because when I read my text messages, I try to read it in voices. So, hi, this is Mallory with Florida Votes Rights, with Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. That's a name. Um, we're teaming up with LeBron James to break down very barriers to voting for people with felony convictions. Do you know anyone that needs their fines and fees paid off so they can vote? Okay. I got the text. I was like, oh, wow. Hmm, that was very personal. Wonder how they got, got my phone number first off. But the second thing was, as I said, wow, this is a good thing because, and the reason why I say it's bipartisan greatness is there are people that'll tell you that, oh, it's so they can get out and vote for Biden instead of voting for Trump, flip the state, uh, flip Senate votes, uh, judges, all of this, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't because you can't buy people's vote and, and you can't make them vote. So all this started. So Michael Bloomberg has already, he's committed to spend $16 million to pay court fines of nearly, that's nearly 32,000 black and Hispanic Florida voters with past felony convictions. And up to 775,000 could be disenfranchised by Florida's new law. So to go back, Florida voters, the voters of the state of Florida, they passed a statewide constitutional amendment in 2018 that gave former felons, except those convicted of murder or felony sexual offenses, the opportunity to vote in elections. But then the Republican-controlled legislation, they passed, well, they passed legislation that said that for their voting rights to be returned, that they had to pay all their fees, fines, restitution, and all of that that were a part of their sentence. And like th th that was garbage because I'm a firm believer that if you do the crime, obviously you should do the time. But if you do the time, your voting rights should be restored. I'm fine with the with the felony sexual assault, with murder. I'm fine with that. But everybody else, like if you got convicted on like a like for having too much weed, come on, man. That that doesn't mean you can't vote. Like that's absolutely asinine. And even Florida knows this. Even Florida. And then they tried to jimmy rig it on the back end. That's why I have a I love the fact that LeBron James, Michael Bloomberg are working with that because it is so important for people to get out and vote. And especially when you look at like the 13th Amendment and these things that have uh, systematically uh, like created a situation where black people, brown people, minorities can't vote, which suppresses a vote in a, a, to a certain degree when like one in four black men has been in jail, not all convicted of felonies, but still like that's absolutely outrageous. So, um, yeah, so I believe that that's bipartisan greatness and I like it. Next thing up, the NCAA. Actually, this is gross. This, this is really gross. The NCAA, they wrote a brief that tells the, to the state Supreme Court that the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee has no legal duty to protect athletes from sexual abuse. They hire the doctors, the coaches, 
for the Olympic Committee. Like they hired these doctors, they hired the coaches, and they did it with Larry Nasser, who abused all the gymnasts. And then at Michigan State, we've seen it at Jerry Sandusky, uh, albeit not Olympic, at Penn State, uh, Richard Strauss at Ohio State, Robert Anderson at Michigan, these wrestling dudes. Like this is an this is an attempt by the NCAA to skirt responsibility and to take away the legal responsibility and for them to continue to turn a blind eye to sexual abuse and and abuse in general to these to the vulnerable community of amateur athletes who are participating in Olympic sports. Like when it came to those people I just named, people reported it. They did nothing. They ignored the claims. And if they are have blanket immunity from being sued, then it's another reason to turn a blind eye. And the NCAA, it, it like it is just trying to like it, it's just so gross that they're trying to pass potential liability for what they call conduct that they can neither monitor or control, but they can though. They really can. And they have to create a system where if somebody reports it, if there's smoke, there's fire, get the person out the way. And then you don't have that responsibility because as soon as you get the person out immediately, you are then absolved of that. Come on, man. Like what the hell is the NCAA even here for? Like they have a long history of looking the other way when institutions fail to protect athletes from sexual abuse. They have done this. Like, and then when the schools have done it or had people there like Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, other schools as general, Penn State. Do you know what the NCAA has done? Zero. Zilch. Nada. No sanctions. No nothing, dude. And it's gross. But let a recruit get some money. Let some parents get some money. Oh, let somebody, let Chase Young borrow some money to fly his girlfriend out to the Rose Bowl and then pay it back. He's got to sit out games. Come on, man. Like this is hypocrisy at its finest. They want to protect student athletes from quote unquote abuse with their name, image and likeness. And as it relates to money but not in this way, not from sexual abuse, which they can prevent. Dude, stop it. Like they're just trying to get another legal loophole to escape accountability as usual. And it's gross. The NCAA needs to go get the hell out of Dodge, dude. Next thing up, um, Wells Fargo CEO, Charles Scharf. He commented that the lack of black talent, that the lack of black talent is why Wells Fargo has not met their minority qualification, their minority diversity, uh, that their benchmarks. They haven't met them. Here's what he said. It might sound like an excuse. The unfortunate reality is that there is a very limited pool of black talent to recruit from. I was like, what? Excuse me? How is that? Like, there's no shortage of black finance, business, accounting, management, or economics majors. 
If you can't find qualified, educated, and clearly talented black and minority candidates, you aren't looking for them or you are ignoring them. Because studies have shown that people discriminate versus with people's names. So they're probably seeing these names on applications. Uh, nah, oh, Jerika Jones? Uh, nah. Oh, Susie. Oh, that, that could be interesting. My wife had this happen. If anybody knows her story. So her name is Denisha Danielle. Oh, her name was Denisha Danielle Hostin. When she first got out of college at UCLA, mind you, she went to UCLA at 16. She graduated early, all these things. She went out. She put her name on applications, Denisha Danielle Hostin. Nobody would call her back. She talks to somebody. She's like, yo, I have high GPA. I'm all this, the, done all these things. Why can't I get a job? They said, put on your middle name, Danielle Hostin. Sent them to the same exact damn places. Got interviews and was getting hired. That this is the problem. It's not, there's not a shortage of black candidates. There are so many people in college out there doing well who, who are very qualified. You're either not looking or you're ignoring them. That is absolute grade A fresh BS. And you have to call people out on that. Because the idea, though, because people frown at the term like the diversity. Well, the truth is, is that you do need diversity in your companies, not just the way they look a certain way, but because it's going to help your company grow. You need to have diversity of age, diversity of race, sexual orientation, all of these things. And it shouldn't necessarily have to be a benchmark. But the reason why these benchmarks are necessary is because People fail to uh, hire the best candidates. They hire the best candidates that when they see their names, when they feel like, well, they feel good about it. And as a person who's looked through interviews and hired people and, and or chosen not to hire people, like I try to make a point when I look at the resumes, I'm like, I, I don't even look at the name. I just look, see, see what they have, see what they do. Oh, okay. This is either a person that I want to interview or not interview. I'm not even looking at the name because I do not want, whether it's man, woman, whatever it is, to affect my judgment on the situation. And more people should probably do that. And finally, my parting shot. I was talking to my wife and we were watching a Monday night game. And I was like, wow, it's so weird to see the Raiders good again. Like, this is weird. Like, they've been just the bottom feeders for so long. And she's a huge Raiders fan. And... Then I said, we'll, we'll see what they do when they go see Cam this weekend against the Patriots. She was like, are you rooting for the Patriots? And I was like, damn, I have reached peak dark side. Peak dark side. The team that I hated the most, the cheating ass Patriots. Now they got Cam. Now I'm all in. If you ever seen the Cam picture with the Patriots uniform, I mean with the Patriots logo and the scarf tied around his neck, you must see it. Am I Reister or am I wrong? Probably Reister, but if not, leave a comment. Make sure you share with a friend. Catch you guys on Friday. Peace out.